Two Broke Watch Knobs podcast is an online discussion dedicated to urology and the in-depth coverage, review, and assessment of high-quality, affordable timepieces. There may be instances of strong language, and this podcast is intended for a mature audience. Sit back and enjoy. Hey, this is Kaz. Hey, this is Mike, and we're Two Broke Watch Knobs. This is episode 14. Episode 14. It's it's going pretty good over here. How's it going over there? You're in Seattle. Are you in Seattle proper, or are you just, like, outside Seattle? So I'm um, I'm about, like, 10, 10 minutes from, like, downtown Seattle, like a 10-minute bus ride. Okay. Um, in an area called West Seattle. Uh, okay. Which, yeah, people like to joke that it's like uh sort of the retirement community <laughs> but that's fine with me it's, it's quieter it's got a little mm. uh kind of like a college town vibe in some sp- oh. some spots i wasn't sure because when i first i always get confused when people say oh i'm from this city or this city when they're like not actually from that city because when i first met my fiance when i first met becky uh she was like oh yeah yeah you know uh, i'm from boston i grew up in boston i'm like and i'm thinking boston like oh man like cities and characters and like all like the history walks and uh you know where the history comes from and i'm like yeah boston and she's like oh you know i'm, I'm going you know i'm going home you should come home with me there's my parents yeah yeah, yeah. she's not from boston okay <laughs> she's from like a little town 30 minutes outside of boston and i'm like this doesn't look like but this is like matt damon lied matt damon and all them goodwill hunting movies because there's only you know one they lied to me this is not boston so yeah okay you're just outside seattle i'm i'm when i tell people i'm from orlando i'm not actually in orlando i live in celebration which is like next to slash in Kissimmee, which is next to orlando so i guess i'm a liar too celebration is much better than orlando oh hell yeah hell yeah <laughs> but uh but we have a very important episode i'm so sorry about getting sidetracked like that people uh that was not my intention watch family uh today is the uh episode 14 is affordable vintage watches part three so this is going to be an ongoing series as if you haven't kind of uh gleaned that yet but each different series is going to focus on a different aspect of affordable watches and today we are talking about affordable vintage dive watches that you should not dive with oh jesus yeah for for god do not buy any of the watches we're going to talk about today and and get them wet like the like that guy told me to never get the aura 65 wet legitimately never get any of these watches wet uh (laughs) they'll just they'll just melt like they'll just they'll just render to sinews and dust on your wrist that's what's going to happen you know now Uh, i'm I'm curious i'm curious though is there is there a certain degree of servicing like full-on overhaul to where a vintage watch can be made I dive ready again i think you can repair gaskets i think you can replace crystals my issue is if there's damage to the case like if there's issues with like the screw threads or if there's like uh, a weak point and where the uh uh, screw uh, the 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 screw and crown kind of protrudes from the case you never know it's one of those things where i'm sure you can do everything and then pay to have someone water uh, resistance test it to a certain degree Right. But I wouldn't ever 100% trust it. I don't know. Like, I would, I am obsessed with the idea of getting my Seamaster 30, my old 1962 Seamaster 30. Uh, I'm obsessed with getting that water resistant again. You know what I mean? Because I love the idea of it being like this dressy, like almost feel type rumble tumble adventurers, but I still like the sip tea kind of watch. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Like I'm obs- I'm upset. I'm obsessed with that idea. But it's never going to be that. It's the. It is now currently the watch I am 100% afraid to wind. Because every time I wind that watch, it just feels like I'm river dancing on like gravel and gra- on gravel and glass. Like it does not feel good. So I gotta, I gotta get that thing serviced. So I don't know. I mean, I would be curious to know. So this is this is a great initial question. Watch family. If anyone out there has gotten a vintage watch and they've repaired it to the point where you actually did restore its dial rated uh, water resistance, like let us know. Let us know what watch it was. Let us know what the process was like. I mean, that's super interesting. Now, uh, as a disclaimer to that, still never get any of these watches we're about to talk about wet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless you're 100% sure you've done everything in your power. Like, don't buy it from a seller because a lot of the ones, the ones I'm going to talk about, they're going to say like, oh, you know, serviced by master watch servicer, you know, uh, fully functional, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That does not mean it's water tested, you know? Mm -hmm. So let's just jump into it because uh, I think we have a lot to talk about. So the way it works is this is similar to other episodes. Michael and I each chose two different dive watches, affordable vintage dive watches to talk about. And then we're going to kind of go back and forth and, Talk about our two choices. So, do you want to go first? Because I'm super curious to hear yours. Because I'm 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 100. You know, you already know what mine is or mine are. But which which one do you want to talk about first? Yeah, I can go first. Um, you know, this is uh, this is kind of a line of or part of a line of watches that I think has been getting some attention recently or some more attention. But it's strange. I haven't seen the prices move too much, which is why I chose it. And it's also. It's also a Bulova, and I've had oh, kind cool. of a weird, I've had kind of a weird like Bulova craze going on lately. Like, I was looking at those new curves today, uh, those quartz chronos. But yeah, that's that's a different story. Yeah. But uh, this watch is actually the, um, it's the Bulova Oceanographer Snorkel Triple Six. Um, oh yeah, that's right. They do those Triple Six divers. Those things are crazy. So there, there are a lot of them, but this, uh, this oceanographer, um, part of the reason I like it is because it's so Seiko. Like it almost has that kind of same uh, cushion uh, case you'd see on a sixty-one hundred five or sixty-three hundred nine. Cool. Uh, but it's, uh, it's not Seiko, which. I was trying to avoid Seiko again because it's also easy to go into vintage divers <laughs> with Seiko, but. <clears throat> Yeah, can Bulova. you send me a link? Do you have a link to that, or I can send you a link, um, or at least a picture, but maybe not on this computer. Oh, that's right. Here, I'll just, I'll just, I'll look for it. So it's the Bulova Oceanographer, or Ocean Oceanographic, Oceanographic, yeah. Pornographic. Oh, yeah, okay. the Oceanographer Ocean. Snorkel Triple Six. Snorkel, that was the word. So you, so they're gaining. So people are kind of noticing these watches more and more, but you're not seeing a price increase. I mean, that sounds like best case scenario. Yeah. So I've I've seen these on places like Watch Steez. I, th- I actually think there's one on Watch Steez right now for under six hundred bucks. Um, I love those guys. So I've seen it. I've seen it also on ten twenty five vintage uh, and you know eBay and Watch Recon. Mm-hmm. So this one's cool. It's um, came out in nineteen sixty nine. Um, which was a good year for watches and uh it kind of you know there's not much to say other than it kind of uh takes everything that the zodiac seawolf was was trying to do um okay. and i guess it might have been Bulova's answer 
to something like the Sea Wolf and anything else that that Seiko uh, was doing. Is, this thing is super cool. Yeah. So it's really it's really 1970s, and um, one of the coolest things about this watch uh, is the crosshair dial, which I usually yeah. don't I usually don't like. But there's something about the crosshair dial and how it matches with the um, the indices, which yeah. kind of look like tiny little light bulbs that um it just looks very balanced the thing is it is so people will put a picture up but just so you get an idea uh the indices are applied it looks like they're raised but what's really cool is the the little ticks that kind of measure the seconds they're on the inside diameter of the indices as opposed to the outside diameter and so that in conjunction with the crosshair dial and like this almost like lollipop looking seconds hand it's pretty fucking cool man yeah it's got the lollipop um seconds hand which is uh is always cool especially on old seiko divers Mm -hmm. um i think it's uh yeah it's a 41 millimeter case and uh, 43 lug to lug so it's like a very kind of squished uh cushion like shape so very very similar to the 6105 and on on these bulevas uh you have the it's it's a cyclops but it's a square one which i always thought was kind of quirky (laughs) um it's funny like it's 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 one of those things where like if uh if retro watch guy or someone else posts like a like a like a graphic or a picture of like an old watch the first three comments are always funky with like a hashtag smiley face you know what i mean so like the first thing i think of is like it's it's cool but it's not like crazy but it still has that like cool 60s vintage kind of vibe almost almost like a vintage tool vibe as opposed yeah. to like a vintage racing vibe. Yeah, if Bulova if Bulova made I guess the most Seiko watch you could imagine, it would be yeah. this one. And yeah. even even the movement, the um, it's the 11 BLACD uh okay. it's kind of it's kind of like a like a workhorse movement kind of like the the 7S26 that's <clears throat> um, you know, I think even made by machines and it's you know, very, very low maintenance. And uh, so is this uh, automatic or is this? Yeah, it's automatic. It says so on the dial. OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an automatic. Uh, one thing I, I, I wish I probably should have researched this. You might know. But the 666 so. feet, is that something that they just kind of like stamped on there? Or is that real? I was going to ask you that question. So the thing is, the first time I ever heard about these is hearing about people using them in Vietnam. You know what I mean? Okay. So I don't know if it has something to do with the whole idea of like devil dogs and all that stuff. I'm not sure because it is a really weird number. I doubt I doubt that's actually what it's like rated for. There must be some story behind it. Um, if anyone in the watch family knows, hit us up. Let us know. Or at least link us to an article that kind of explains it. But I mean, off the top of my head, I, that's, too, that's too precise. You yeah. know what I mean? That's funny that's too, that you say that's that. It's too specific. Because the... So the 6105 from Seiko was also used in Vietnam. I think actually on on Seiko Holic's uh, YouTube channel. Okay. He's ha- he's had a couple um Vietnam vets send in Seiko 6105s for restoration. Wow. Like like I bought this um I bought this when that was going on and I've had it ever since and it's <laughs> he restores That's them. It's nuts. Crazy. But this Bulova has kind of the same vibe, and the sixty one oh fives actually are—they're like skyrocketing in price, um, especially in the past like 
six months even. But because I feel these... like anything I feel like anything Seiko right now is super hot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I feel I think, like I think the turtles, the new turtles are are kind of part of that. I noticed yeah. when the newer ones came out, the sixty three oh nine, the original ones, um kind of bumped up in price a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh I really don't know why, because the the newer turtle is like no joke exact dimensions like it's the exact <laughs> same watch seiko just started making the watch again just with... making them again <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all they did they pulled uh, the tarps off the same machines you know what i mean and they started much. making them again but this but, so, so this watch the one i'm looking at right now this uh belova oceanographer oceanographer snorkel 666 diver uh just so people know it's basically in terms of like a color motif it's red and black you know what I mean? So it has yes. like almost like the Coke style bezel, except the red part of the bezel is the uh, zero to fifteen. You know? Yeah. And instead, instead of like a traditional chapter ring, you have sort of a like a red circle that moves along all of the uh, indices. Oh yeah, you're right. That's and encloses, so cool. It encloses the crosshairs. And I'm telling you, the- I usually hate crosshair dials. I don't know why they just don't speak to me. But yeah, no, I'm with you. Pretty pretty cool. It's interesting because the thing is like the more you – it's one of those things. It's kind of cliche with me at this point, but the more I look at it, the more I appreciate some of like the really like smaller details. Like I'm looking at these indices. These indices are super interesting. They're like – they almost look like they're hexagons and they're like acrylic or something. They remind me of tiny little LEDs. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, and the thing is it looks like they're being held into place by little clamps along the edge. So it's yeah. not like they're glued in place. It's super interesting. What a what a what a weird little watch. And let me if I let me just check his inventory real quick. Yes, there's one on watchstees.com right now for five seventy five. It's not bad actually. It's not bad. And it comes not on bad a, at all. I think it comes on a NATO, but these these I think would look pretty good on leather. And maybe even something like a, like a vintage rubber strap or like a Tropic style strap. Dude, this thing would kill it on mesh. Or mesh. I've yeah, I've seen a lot of the snorkels on on mesh as well. So, yeah. I think uh, I think the snorkel series is pretty is pretty vast. I don't know what you've found, because um, I, I don't know if you were looking at them at some point. But uh, what the Belova snorkels? Yeah, or you were looking I at was, the chronographs. I was second. looking at yeah. I was super a, a while back around the time when I was at Wind Up NYC. So that was uh, fucking when the hell was Wind Up last year? August? October? October? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. So when I was in Wind Up in October, I was super super into this uh, Belova chronograph six six six. Uh, diver that uh, 1025 vintage had on their website and um, I was super into it and uh, They were gonna be at wind up So I knew I was gonna see it in person and then when I saw it in person it didn't really speak to me But I met Nick and all the guys and it was uh, it was they were amazing and I'm the next time I'm up in New York I'm gonna try and hit them up, but it just didn't really speak to me the other issue And the thing is you talk about variety the weird thing about these 666 divers is that not all of them say 666 on the dial Yeah it, that one I was looking at didn't say, and like, so I asked him, I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is, you have it listed as a 666 uh, diver. He's like, yeah, I'm like, it doesn't say 666 in the diver. Like, yeah, some of them don't. And I'm and in my brain, I'm like, how, how, how do you know? Like, how do you know, man? You know right. what I mean? Like, 
is it something to do with like all the serial numbers and oh it has this model and blah 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 so that well, the thing is the whole allure of the below the 66 diver and any iteration is seeing the goddamn numbers on the dial <laughs> yeah. and to top it you off know? this this diver has like it's probably my favorite feature that you would mm-hmm. get in a um in a dive watch and it's the fully graduated bezel so um holy shit did we do our wrist check oh we totally forgot to do the wrist check we'll 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 do that we'll do that because because the because the bezel here reminded me of the watch i'm wearing now <laughs> oh man okay super impromptu wrist check <laughs> what are you Michael, wearing what go watch first. I'll, I'll go first. All right, I am wearing my. This is such. This is such a 180. I'm wearing my um my Brew Rocks Black Brew uh, Quartz Chronograph watch on the leather strap it came with. I love this watch. It has uh, rose gold details. It has a rose gold case back. It's a compound chronograph, so the minutes and the hours are counted on the same sub dial, but it's at two separate little hands. Uh, it's really, really beautiful. Um, if you don't follow Brew Watches, check him out. He designs really cool pieces kind of based off coffee culture. And right now he has a new model out called the HP-1. It's an automatic, uses the Seiko SN, uh, or 3NN, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm such a 35NH, 35NH? Or NH35? Something like NH35, that. NH35, something like that. God, I'm just, I'm so, just so goddamn thrown off. Really, really you can, cool You watch. can tell we're very prepared. <laughs> we're super prepared right now. I'm about I'm about half a beer in, which for me is a lot. All right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's what I'm wearing. I love this watch. Uh, I've been throwing shots of Instagram all day, and um, it's super, super cool. So, <laughs> See, the, 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 dog, the dog is very mad that we missed the... the, uh, the t- Let's check. Hey, dog. Quiet. <laughs> Jesus. This this turned out to be a great episode. This is all right. What are you wearing, man? Bring it back. Bring it back to this below the six 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 diver. Uh, Oceanogra- Oceanographer snorkel six six six. What watch are you wearing? Where the bezel kind of reminds you of this one? Yeah. So having a fully graduated bezel on the dive watch is it's it's a very like kind of military thing to do on a diver and um that's what you see also on the srp triple seven uh seiko that i'm wearing today so i I have have a question (laughs) i have a question because i don't know anything about watches what is a fully something bezel would you say so the the fully graduated bezel graduated what does that mean so um do you have your do you have your sumo around you uh i can run and grab it shall i run and grab it well like most dive watches the minute ticks will either go up to just 15 i see what you're saying the minute ticks are all the way around it's those markers are for i see fully represented around the watch so it's not just zero through 15 which has those ticks yeah so it's kind of like a military thing for you know increased timing elapsed time accuracy uh, sort of deal and that's what you see on this on this Bulova and the um and the Seiko that I wear way too much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of sad uh, um I have I have some other watches that I look at and uh and I'm just like eh I'm gonna keep wearing that's this because so it's all my wrist because <laughs> I'll fall I asleep my... I'll fall asleep I... with the watch I don't know about you I'll just fall asleep you... and 
wake up no, and still the, have it the on. The problem is, I mean, we talked about it on the Family Watch episode. I've adopted the lifestyle of the second, the like when I went out growing up. The second my dad left home, well, what my my dad was no longer home when he put his watch on. And then when my dad actually physically came home from work, he wasn't actually home until he took his watch off. So I usually, where every time I come home. Uh, one of the first things I do is I'll take my watch off unless we unless we record. When we record, I keep it on so we can do the wrist check. But when I come home, there's something about like wearing the watch in the house. Um, I'm doing it a little bit more this week just because this week's been a little crazy, and so I've just been kind of like forgetting. You know what I mean? Interesting. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I I use but but we we like to talk about this. You just keep your watch on all day. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny. I, I I actually enjoy sleeping with the Seiko because nice. the loom the loom is so strong that kind of <laughs> as I'm waking up in the morning, I can I can take a look at how much time I have left to to snooze without reaching That's over and, and grabbing the the phone. So dude, that that Seiko loom is no joke. My 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 watch box glows just from my sumo, just from like <laughs> regular reg, like regular lamp light. You know what I mean? It just triggers it for some reason. So that's cool, some, though. Something you something you won't get with these divers. I I haven't seen I haven't seen a loom shot on this uh, Boliva oceanographer, or maybe on too many of the snorkels. And it's sad. I, a lot of these dive watches are reloomed, and it ends up looking kind of oh. wonky. But um, yeah. Yeah, I that's... don't get the relooming thing. So talking about servicing vintage dive watches, why do people reloom the watch? Do they do that so it looks cleaner, so they actually have loom that works? It feels super weird to me. You know what I mean? I think it's an aesthetic choice. Um, sometimes you might really need it, though, when it's kind of like flaking everywhere and you have like loom flakes at the bottom of the dial. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, you can you can take care of that. But um, a lot of we times you don't, have to, you don't have to touch it so right but anyways yeah that that bull of um the and this thing ocean, has this thing this thing has an acrylic dome too it looks like it's got some domage yeah yeah so dat dat dome on this one as well dat dat fucking dome heart face dude and it's Crazy. it's my it's my first pick uh for vintage uh, affordable vintage diver priced at 575 so, the one i'm looking at that's a great price and it's such a smart choice like any for some reason i didn't even think of those Bulova 606 divers when we had made the choice to do uh, vintage dive watches. You know what I you, mean? You can, you can take this to a red bar and be fine. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> if you're the type of person to go to a red bar. I don't I don't <laughs> think Michael and I are ever going to get invited to a red bar event. <laughs> if I ever do, I'm going to bring Becky's Casio uh, uh, MDF uh, $35 dive watch that we hey, talked about go. last episode that that is a watch that that, that is, is a watch. i certainly you, a watch you're all discussing watches this is in fact a watch i don't understand <laughs> what the issue is get your hands off of me you know what i mean uh so how about you what's your what's your first pick for the uh, for the divers so my first pick is one that we talked about last episode and it's the first fucking thing my brain thought of because i have a very very specific understanding and knowledge of watches um and so the first thing i thought of the second we mentioned uh affordable vintage dive watches was the um original some of the original vostok amphibias um not the newer ones there are newer ones out now that we talked about last episode but um the vintage ones are so cool 
the vintage Vostok Amphibias are super, super cool. So just like a bit of history, the first Vostok Amphibia was made in 1967, and it was basically the result of a long process of trial and error uh, from Vostok. So basically, uh, at the time, the Navy and the Russian military needed a dive watch that they could rely on, and they didn't want to continue using competitors like uh, 50 Fathoms and the Rolex and like other compression style cases which were popular at the time, you know what I mean? And um, I think it's really, really important because I'm going to talk about Russian watches any chance I get. The, the, <laughs> big, the big push with the Russian watch market is the fact that one of the tenants of communism at the time was self-reliance to the point of we shouldn't have to buy this thing from outside the country. There's no reason why we can't make it ourselves which is one of the main reasons and ideologies why the Russian watch market just exploded in 50, 60 years. It was incredible. They made so many watches. And so it was that type of thinking which uh, Vostok tasked two engineers. I actually had their names. The, so the Vostok Amphibia, just so people know, is kind of an anomaly in the Russian watch world because there is a surprising amount of documentation behind it just because it was so groundbreaking when it happened. And just because uh, so much engineering went into making the watch what it is, you know what I mean? So uh, the two people in charge, uh, I'm going to butcher these names. The first is an engineer from Vostok named Mikhail Fedorovich Navikov. And the second one was a engineer named Viera Fedorovna Belova, not Belova, Belova. So this is actually an interesting, it's very close. She's just, she's a spy. Uh, she probably was a spy, but that's different. Um, <laughs> so just something to mention now, uh, the Russian watch market, sort of similar to the early Swiss market, but this is the case for a lot of the history of the Russian watch market, was really fueled um, by, by women. A lot of women were the ones that were putting these together, that were doing the engineering, that were really... Uh, making the watch market grow as much as it did. So hearing that um, of the two people who made the Vostok Amphibia back in the day, one of them was a woman, is not surprising at all. So it's something I thought was actually kind of cool, you know? Yeah, I so, have no clue. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's crazy. So like I said, the Vostok Amphibia, the, um, the vintage ones are super collectible. There's a whole lot of iterations. There's a whole lot of different dials and different eras. So the ones in the 80s look different from the ones in the 70s. They look different from the ones in the early 90s, just before the collapse of the Soviet Union. The ones I want to specifically focus on are the ones in the 70s. So I think it's super, super easy for someone to hear, oh, well, the first Vostok Amphibia was made in 1967. I'm, I'm going to buy one of those. Dude, no, you're not. Like, don't even... <laughs> Don't even try to find it. Don't even try to find it because it's just I super, can't tell. super impossible to find. They're just, they're just. The problem is, Vostok fucked it up by doing a reissue of the 1967 original one. So now what you have is the market flooded with a whole bunch of watches claiming to be from originally 1967, but they're not. They're Franken from parts on that watch and parts with old watches, or the old watches were swapped with different parts. The other issue is a lot of people will argue what the first Vostok Amphibia was. Because before it was commercially released in 67, or around the time it was released in 67, um, the classic, well-known early shape was like the Tonneau case, like the one that we put up shots of. Michael has a really cool black and gray dial one with uh, red accents. So that's, um, that's a set, just for my reference, is, is that a, that's a 70s one, right? That is 70s, yes. Okay. That is, that, is, that is a 70s one. It has really, really beautiful tropical, like bubbling on the dial. It's super, super cool. 
uh, it is quite, quite pretty as far as um, amphibias go. And that dial that you have is super, super, not super rare, but you don't see it a lot. And so I'm, the, the people have a hard time pinpointing what the original Vostok amphibia was because some of the first ones that came out were like not, they didn't have lugs. They were just like, like shapes and they would like attach wire lugs to it almost. So hair. you might see some, some hair, <laughs> some hair. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll just, they'll just, they'll just, you know, just super glue a couple of toothpicks on there. Uh, and so it gets really, really weird. And so what I would really recommend is if you're serious about trying to get into it, look for ones from the seventies. Um, you can check out Mark Gordon's USSR website or USSR time.com uh, website. Uh, we've mentioned him a thousand times. So I'm just to reiterate, if you're a first time listener, Mark Gordon is like probably the most important and I hate this word, but I have to say prolific Russian watch collectors in the world. He has a collection of over 2,000 pieces. Um, having 2,000 of anything is a lot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm, I'm, browse, I'm browsing it right now, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you can check his website out. It's really good for references. Um, what I want to talk about is why there is so much documentation behind the watch. Uh, the reason there is is because of the engineering that went behind it is so incredible. So at the time... Uh, most traditional watches like the Submariner and the Blancpain uh, 50 Fathoms, they depended on water resistance, which was basically fueled by the fact that the watch case was sealed and it basically created a static environment yeah. for the inside of the watch. You know what I mean? So the idea is the deeper in the ocean you go, the more and more uh, pressure of uh, the ocean goes onto the item. So the reason why James Cameron had to go in the Mariner's Trench in that weird droid is because if James Cameron, the human being, went down in like a scuba suit, he would come up soup. You know what I mean? Yeah. His, his organs would basically be organ and, yeah, his, his organs and goo would just be squeezed out of his mouth and nostrils. And so to <laughs> accommodate for that pressure, it was really important for these divers to have dive watches they could rely on. And so at the time, the big push was to make it robust, make sure the watch would uh, not you know give in to the pressures and not really move or warp or any of that stuff. The one uh, 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 popular exception, which kind of the amphibia drew its inspiration from at the time, was the compression case, which sort of used that to its advantage. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But what happened with the Vostok amphibia was they said, okay, well, let's use that pressure as the impetus to seal the watch. So the watch is designed, basically, the more and more the ocean presses on it, the more and more water sealed it gets. The way the case back is designed, the way the screw uh, the, the screw and crown is designed, the way the crystal is designed, also to correct myself, I think I said last episode the crystal was five millimeters thick. It's actually three, three millimeters thick, which is still pretty goddamn thick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the way the watch is designed is it's designed to take the pressure the ocean's putting on it and to basically apply that pressure in the areas of the watch where water would be uh, wants to come in. You know what I'm saying? And so doing that presented a lot of really weird issues. They had to make their own chemical compounds for the gaskets because they found what was happening was the traditional rubber gaskets, as the watch was coming back to the surface, the gaskets would not be able to compensate properly and they would kind of retract weird and water would come in. That was going to be back. my question because I would find that design to be most compromising when you're starting to surface. 
Yeah, so uh, they have really, really cool shots of it online, and I'll put some shots up also of just the rubber gaskets that they had designed for these watches. It's really cool. Like, they like they made their own, like, special rubber material, and they made it a specific shape so as to have that not happened. And they were able to achieve a dive watch that went to 200 meters, and... That's that's incredible. It's a, it's, a, it's an incredible feat of engineering. It's incredible that they were able to do it in the time frame that they did it, and they did it in such a unique way. Because if they tried to design a watch to create a static environment similar to what the Submariner or the Blancpain 50 Fathoms, which were contemporaries at the time, were doing, it would have been it would have been crazy. It would have been what's uh, I saw it on Tumblr so many times. It would have been the equivalent of working uh, hard, not working smart. You know what I mean? When yeah. they created the Vostok Amphibia, they worked smart. They used what was happening to the watch to make they use the weakness of the watch as the strength. You know what I mean? Uh, it's if, For any of you comic book people out there, it's sort of like Daredevil, sort of like Matt Murdock. Daredevil's strength is his weakness. Daredevil is good, is a good hero because of his blindness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's really, really interesting like that. Uh, that's why the watch has so much uh, kind of documentation behind it. That's why it's really cool and collectible. And the awesome thing about it is you could buy one of these watches from the 70s for anywhere between 50 and 100 bucks. 100 bucks is super high, just so you know. I mean, you can even find them at $40 USA. Um, 40 is pretty the, typical, Yeah, at, at least what I've been searching. Yeah, you know, um, it's they're really, really cool. They're super collectible. Um, and just a word, word of warning, if you didn't listen to the last episode, I'm going to say it again now. When you unscrew, if you buy one of these, which you totally should, when you unscrew crown it's gonna have a, a wobble it's gonna feel like it's broken it's not broken it's, <laughs> it's supposed to be like that <laughs> it's gonna feel very very broken actually. that's another that's another design feature because since they designed the case to actually give into the pressure to make itself more sealed they didn't want the stem from the crown and stem winding system to stab into the movement so to do that they created like a two-piece collapsible uh, 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 crown and stem so when the crown is screwed in it separates from the main stem and sort of just kind of dangles there freely. So not broken, perfectly functional. So Mark <laughs> Mark Gordon, um, it's ID number 0075 on his website. Mm -hmm. He has a really cool um, 2209. And, yep, that's, uh, the, that's the original uh, original movement they used for a long time, the 2209. So he has, uh, he has one here that's apparently military-issued. Mm -hmm. So there's is there is there kind of like a solid uh, military connection to it as far as uh, I mean what what did Soviet divers even do like they made them for they, they, I mean they made them for the military yeah you know what I mean yeah they made yeah, uh, uh, Vostok originally uh, supplied the military the watch was created at the request of the military and so I mean what did they do back then I have no idea uh, yeah chase chase Bond they probably chase Bond a lot. It's a full. It's a full time job, you know. It's a full time job, man. Um, they probably <laughs> disarmed underwater mines. I have no idea. Actually, I'll tell you right now. Um, they were doing a lot of uh, Arctic explorations at the time, so you'll also see a lot of Rakata twenty four hour dials for those things. So maybe there was some sort of like reason they needed the dive watch. I don't know. I really couldn't tell you. Maybe it was for like constructing oil rigs or whatever. Um, yeah. But the, the the military originally requested it. Over time, it became commercially available. There's some there's some arguments. There's some markings that people say you can use to designate whether something was specifically designed for the military or not. I don't. 
I feel like an element of it is true, but it's one of those things where it's just, it's so hard to try and figure out or make sense of. Um, mm. It should sort of be like the last thing on your mind. Because if you have an earlier Vostok amphibia, chances are pretty high someone in the military was using it. Because just because it wasn't issued didn't mean someone in the military didn't just go out and buy it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, um, especially someone who like wouldn't be in a position to be issued the watch. Well, a lot of times, a lot of times, military watches, um, it's it wasn't it wasn't the case where there was a contract every single time. A lot of times, you know, the manufacturer made the watch, and the military just went out and bought it, and yeah, then yeah. issued it. So, you know, you can kind of split hairs with that, but mm-hmm. so that's that's yeah, pretty you, cool. It's really cool watch. I think it's a great similar to the. Uh, Ooh, Raketa Copernic we talked about last episode. This is a great watch if you want to kind of get into uh, vintage Soviet watches just because there's so much documented history behind it. It's pretty straightforward and easy to authenticate what you got also. Um, and again, I'll say this every episode I talk about a goddamn Soviet watch, but if you see something online and you want help checking it out, definitely hit us up. I'm super happy to do it. I've already done it a bunch of times, and uh, it's something I love doing. The early ones, so the ones from the 70s, they're going to have the 2209 movement. It's going to have, or at least it should, sometimes it didn't for some reason, but it's rare. It should have 2209 stamped on the movement, you know what I mean? So it's um, it's really cool. You can find them on eBay. You can find them on Etsy. Uh, which is still weird to me. Um, they also, I also see them floating around Reddit every now and then on the watches subreddit. I'm sure you can find someone watch you seek, um, and whatever. Uh, as I'm learning now, there are more watch forms across the world than just those ones. Because <laughs> I, I have people like, oh, I found oh, this definitely. on the on the yeah. German watch form, and he sends me a listing. I'm like, yeah, I don't read German. That's a I big don't... one. That's that's a pretty big forum actually. Is it the uh, one that you, you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what yeah. it's called, but I and just there's, I gotta and there's a there's a very big German uh, Rolex form also. I forgot I forgot the name, but it's uh, it's been around for a while. I think I think maybe like time zone like age. Oh but, wow, that's cool as hell, man. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's my pick uh, for affordable vintage diver. Um, Fifty to hundred bucks, realistically around forty. Hundred bucks is super, super high. There's so many different dial combinations. There's so many, like so many different things like that. I personally, personally, I like the ones from the '70s because they're that really cool to know kind of curved rectangle shape. It's super utilitarian but super sexy at the same time because it just, it's just a chunk, it's a chunk of fucking metal with a giant dome on it. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And the yeah. bezels are really cool. Um, not cool in that they're bi-directional, and I'm sure lots of people drowned, but they're cool in that they're, like, sunken into the case. So that's that's pretty telltale, a telltale sign also that you're dealing with something from the 70s. So, yeah, always happy to look. If you guys see anything, let us know. Um, yeah, I think that's – I've talked enough. I've talked enough about that watch. I have plenty more to say about the other goddamn watch. So, <laughs> we so got yeah, to get more photos of the uh... – of the Vostok up on our uh, on our Instagram. Maybe I'll do that yeah. this weekend. Yeah, man. You got that sweet new camera. Got that <laughs> sweet new camera. I still have my cracked iPhone. It's literally, there's not like, not like jailbroken iPhone. There's a crack going Dude, down the screen of my iPhone. I'm no joke pissing in the wind with that camera. <laughs> Dude, the, the, the few shots, the ones you uh, the, the the ones you did of the SKX and the one of the Haldor. Dude, those are sick, man. I, I know, I know it's hard for you to see, what we all in the watch family see and that they're good photographs, but I'm telling you, man, clutch shit. You know what I mean? Thanks, really man. Really clutch shit. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, interesting, uh, you're, so this this first pick of yours, the case shape 
um it's not really a traditional like dive watch what i mean mm-hmm. what would you what would you call it on on these uh, amphibious like is it also like a to know kind of skin diver case they'll be called to like 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 it'll say to know case like that's sort of what it's classified as because this you know watch that I, this watch that i picked is um i guess what some people would call a skin diver case okay cool shape. and it's it's kind of similar mm-hmm. uh it's it's from a brand that to my surprise still exists i thought they went under a long time ago but okay. it's um, <laughs> but it's by a brand called aquastar and uh i have never heard of that brand yeah i'm, I'm sure i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure a lot of people haven't um but uh aquastar was actually so it was founded in 1962 and um the guy was called frederick uh robert and he was okay. he was a diver and he um he started the company and they you know they specialize in in dive watches the the watch actually that the brand is is mostly known for is is a chunky beast of a watch called the benthos 500 and okay. uh and that watch you know you can still find them today but they're they're going to be hovering around like two and a half to three and a half thousand oh um, yeah that it's, noise. it's a it's a serious dive watch uh but the watch that i picked um there are actually two very similar versions so i'll mention them both uh okay it's it's the um it's the Aquastar 60 Diver. And it's, uh, Diver. so, yeah, if you just search Aquastar 60 Diver, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a very plain, just steel dive watch um, with sort of Rolex-style markers, but in, um, in kind of like a sharp-angled, like, skin diver-looking case. Okay, I'm busting it open now, Aquastar. Yeah. I think uh, I think actually 1025 vintage may have had one not too long ago. Uh, definitely uh, under a thousand as well. Oh, but these the, things are kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So these these are still uh, these are still hovering at around under under a grand. Uh, I think. Wow. I think at most you'd see something around 800. So 36 millimeters, uh, 20, 20 millimeter um, lug width, and I'm not sure of the lug to lug, but at 36 millimeters, it probably wears pretty, pretty modestly. Uh, Dude, 30, but, wait, so 36 millimeters, 20 millimeter lug width, it probably, it probably wears super small. It probably wears small, but I think the lugs are long enough to where it doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter all that much, and I think. I see. I think with these skin divers, the style the style is like aggressive enough that it just it doesn't look dainty still because of its right. size. Um, so you when you're looking at these, you have you can either look at the Aquastar 60 or the Aquastar 63. Um, and the cool thing the cool thing about the 63 is that it has an in- internal rotating bezel, but oh cool that bezel is also controlled by the main crown so oh what the hell how does that work then i don't know how it works so in most (laughs) cases in most cases where you'll have an internal rotating bezel you'll have a secondary crown dedicated to the bezel this watch doesn't the aquastar 63 so you operate the internal rotating bezel with the primary crown there's only one crown 
Hmm. And it's one of it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. So Dude, this thing has a serious dome on it. Yeah. Yeah. So with with that kind of with that kind of mechanism in place, maybe for somebody looking to invest um, under a grand into a vintage diver, I'd probably shoot for the Aquastar sixty, which is more of a traditional diver. I think internal rotating bezels are kind of silly either way. Okay. But um, also the bezel on this one is bidirectional, just like the Vostok, which really? I. Yeah, which I would be interested in hearing the history about as well, because there are, you know, besides the amphibian, like there are, there have been a bunch of dive watches with bi-directional rotating uh, bezels. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure at one po- at what point in dive watch history somebody said like, hey, let's not do that. You let's know? not do that anymore. <laughs> Let me, I, actually, this, this is a, actually, I, actually, this is a great point. Um, I'll hit up BA watch picks and I'll ask him. Yeah. Yeah. He might have it. Uh, so if anyone who doesn't know, BA Watch Picks is someone who we've given shout outs to before because he's he's super knowledgeable about divers. Um, he's dived wrecks before. He's dived deep. He's a really, really cool channel. If you're into like uh, uh, dive watches, he's got a lot of really cool tutors. He's got, um, I think, one or two doxes, got like some Seikos. Really, really cool. He's recently been rocking, and I absolutely love it. That Tudor uh, Black by thirty six millimeter, but um, mm. he's super, super knowledgeable. He's a really, really nice guy. So actually, that's actually I'm, I'm after this episode, I'll, I'll, I'll ask him. I'll hit him up, see if he has any insight. Yeah, and this, uh, this Aquastar, it's um, you know, it's a cool little piece of of dive watch history. You know, they um, they're still around today. I'm not sure if it's the same uh, same company running things. Okay. Uh, they mostly make regatta timers right now, um, you know, for Weird. for the races and stuff. Sure. But actually, the founder uh, left the company in 1970 to work um, to work on some Seamaster designs with Omega. Oh, that's so, cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah, in the 70s. But uh, yeah, this this Aquastar is kind of like um, kind of like a quintessential like 60s diver, and it's it's a little different. Especially with the uh, the case shape, it's yeah, gonna be a little gonna... bit a little different than some submariners and like yeah, you know. Um, I was gonna yeah. say so rel- relative to the, the 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 case itself, it almost seems like the lugs protrude kind of far, but not far. So what's interesting is all the slopes on the watch they're quite gradual. Otherwise, everything's kind of got sharp angles. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's and like very... I said, it, it's that aggressive. It's it's a very aggressive styling that you get yeah. with these with these um, skin divers. Actually, if you if you just go on eBay and you search um, and you just search like vintage dive watch, you're gonna see a bunch of them. Yeah, um, really. Wow. I just feel it. This, it looks like it. It looks like it's super comfortable. You know. It probably looking, is. I would like to try at the one pictures, on. Yeah, well, you could buy this one from 1025 Vintage. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, it's sold. Son of a bitch. How is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, they have uh, they have very nice pictures. But yeah, I'm looking at it. There's just this. You're right. There's something very aggressive about these sharp angles, but there's still something super like fluid and like thought out. So a current example on, the, on their site now, you know, they they have a they have a Vulcan Vulcan diver on there mm-hmm. that's kind of like the same same sort of case shape it's 925 mm-hmm. which is that's that's not cheap that's that's getting close to the to the thousand mark but yeah. uh same same kind of idea and 
one thing one thing that i think we should mention about vintage divers and i think it happens with vintage watches in general mm-hmm. i would i don't know what, how you feel but i wish that i it was way easier to try them on before buying them because i think Dive it's watches? very or just vintage watches in general it's very easy to kind of like romanticize about the photos you see online because they look so old and so cool and then you get in the mail and it's kind of underwhelming so that's that's one thing that i would probably um warn people about Mm -hmm. Uh, so do you say that in regards to the size of the watch or just like when you actually see the watch in like like you see the watch without makeup you're like wow this is god this is a fucked up looking watch you mean like in that sense like you don't get a real sense of the scars the watch might have accumulated over the years with like pictures i think both and i th- i think maybe the size is probably the biggest one like people people yeah. maybe don't know um how small 36 is i don't yeah. mind 36 i can comfortably wear like a 36 no problem that's that's how big the smiths was when i had it and it was that's... it was fine especially because the lugs also were so long mm-hmm. um but i think it's something that people uh <laughs> get surprised by sometimes oh yeah I'd... no for sure I-, I was super surprised when my seamaster 30 came in that thing is like a quarter you know what yeah. i mean yeah. <laughs> I, I, well that's actually a really good point um and i've noticed that some people do it when they'll list a watch especially like a like a, a vintage watch they'll have something of reference in there so it's actually really important you say that so if there's something you're thinking about and uh you see a listing and you think it's cool and you know, you authenticate it, you know it's real, you know it's a reliable seller, reach out to them and say like, hey, can you take a picture of the watch next to a quarter? I just want to get an idea of how small it is. Or, big it or, is. or show, you know, put up a wrist shot and, and say like, shot. hey, you know, I'm this tall, my wrist is this big, or what? I don't know if you, <laughs> you can ask about wrist size, but you know. <laughs> Again, the, the damn topic comes up. I think that just, yeah, just some sort of reference shot. You know, I feel like most... Uh, people who are reputable and they're selling vintage items, they will be happy to accommodate that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Another another cool feature on this uh, this Aquastar is it's once again you see it. We saw it on the on the Bulova as well. It's got like a square Cyclops, and it's oh shit, you're right. Weird. It's so it's so weird, but also so different that um, I think if you have one of these watches, you're probably not going to bump into somebody that has one as well. Uh, yeah, no, this this would this would be uh, uncommon to see in the wild. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, psst, get down, cat. Hey, I got I cat think cat. I think we're both about to yell at our pets. Is that is, <laughs> that, is that is that right? Because hey. my my dog was about to start barking again. <laughs> Stop it! Damn it! Puppy. <laughs> when we were recording the Toxic Nados episode with Terry, um, I forgot what number that was. Ten? Episode ten? No. Nine. I think it was nine. I think it was nine. Yeah. When we were on that episode, uh, your dog started barking. I think you, I, I'm pretty sure you were joking. Uh, you're like, oh, I'm going to go put her in the closet. And like you said that, but like you like murmured it as you walked away from the computer. And then for a moment, it was just Terry and I. And Terry goes, do you think he's going to put his dog in the closet? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he said. I didn't hear anything. That's my story. It's a, it's a small apartment and she's a yappy dog. Puppy. <laughs> I almost feel like she's part of the show now. <laughs> oh, she's definitely part of the show, just like my cats. You know what I mean? <laughs> cats are definitely part of the show now. 
but, uh, but this is a really cool I, I, I it's it's something i feel like if you want a vintage this aquastar uh 60 diver if you want a vintage piece but you're the type of person who maybe wants something a little bit more thoughtful and someone who maybe wants something a bit more indicative of the whole sort of like 60s 70s dive watch culture and you wanted something that you didn't see everywhere this is a really cool choice actually the watch the watch almost looks way snobbier than it actually yeah. like is and it's, costs it's it, it's it's i don't know this this there's something really cool about it. i'm i am absolutely in love um with these lugs the way they they slope and they just kind of very there's almost like the angularness of it there's almost something very like i don't know i know it's a small watch but it feels almost tougher you know what well, i mean my my favorite feature uh you know besides just the case is also the text on the dial there's something about the font you would see on watches back then and it's the mm-hmm. same same with like the Vostok like there is just something about these old fonts that is really cool yeah. so the Aquastar I don't know what font that is or what you call it I'm not like a font person but it looks really <laughs> cool it and looks you really just, cool you just got the two lines of text up top and tiny little star automatic and then the um, the rating right under it's super cool it's cool because it also has those quintessential dive watch features and then some cool stuff you know what i mean it kind of wrapped up in a in a different more of an uncommon package yeah uh, really really dig it that's a that's a good choice yeah yeah. uh yeah i think 1025 yep they sold out of this one yeah that that one we might we might have the same one pulled up uh that one actually if you can see the uh the dial has also started to bubble, so you get that kind of night sky look. Um, in yeah, a diver. yeah, yeah. I was I was gonna say it has that like speckling almost, right? Yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. very cool. Really, really cool. That's a good choice, man. That's that that that's a mad good choice. So, let's recap our first ones again. Uh, your first one, you chose the Bulova Oceanographer Snorkel Six 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 Diver. Yep. Super, super, super cool. Uh, for my first one, I chose the Vostok Amphibia, um, specifically kind of targeting the cases they made in the 70s. Those ones are, are, in my opinion, cool, cooler, and a bit easier to come by. Uh, the ones in the 80s, you'll see a lot, but they're not like, they don't have that like vintage dive watch flair. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, and you know, if you see anything, you know, you want help authenticating, we're always happy to do that. Should I jump into my second pick? Yeah, for sure. So my second pick, I'm gonna send you a link because uh, this is probably one of the weirder and rarer Soviet watches because no one really ever talks about it because you don't really ever see it. It is the Raketa Amphibian. <laughs> Okay. So, so the first I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you the link. Don't worry. Uh, the first watch was the Vostok Amphibian, and uh, the second watch is the Raketa. So Raketa is a different uh, watch brand. So Raketa is really really interesting in that it's they sort of claim to be like one of the oldest uh, watch factories in Russia because the factory that they're operating out of the Petrovitz factory was in operation in the 1700s as, um, jewel, jewel polishers. You know what I mean? So they polish jewels for like, I think for like 
jewelry uh, and like luxury goods, but in addition to that, eventually kind of turned into like jewels for technical equipment for like jewel bearings. Okay. And then from that, it gradually turned into, hey, well, we're already doing this. Let's just convert the factory to creating technical jewels for watches. Hey, let's just fucking make watches here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So they haven't not been making watches since the 1700s, but the factory's been a factory since the 1700s. It was bombed and destroyed in World War II, but they rebuilt it again, and it's still there now. Still in the same place. Um, and it's actually kind of super interesting in that they are currently the like the flagship Soviet brand. They have a uh, new life breathed into them. They have a new CEO. They... They do. They make their own movements. So when I say they make their own movements, they make every single component that goes from the movements. They manufacture their own mainsprings, and they're using a lot of that technology they have to kind of try and revigorate the brand. And so they've done a modern iteration of the Raketa Amphibian. I am not talking about that watch, because that watch is, in my opinion, a little fucking expensive. It's like six hundred or nine hundred bucks. Oh really? Which to me is expensive. I think I think it's expensive. Well, I'm, oh, yeah, I, I, I got to send you the link, Michael. So I'm talking about the Raketa Amphibian, and I'm sending Michael a link right now, which I you will can, also... You can email it to me. I don't, I don't know if you're... Would that be easier? Or you can I, text I, it to me. Because I, <laughs> I can just copy and paste it into Skype right now. Well, that might make the computer explode. Oh, no! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so don't do that. <laughs> Let me uh, let me email it to you. So I'm sending Michael an email right now, a watch you seek uh, form thread started by Mark Gordon, who's the collector we talked about before. Mark Gordon, um, you know, 2,000 pieces, really, really cool. He made a thread about a Raketa amphibian that he had gotten. Uh, so I'm just going to say as a disclaimer now, uh, Mark does find out that the Raketa that he has, the Raketa amphibian that he has, has the wrong movement, or at least the wrong movement stamp. So let me figure out how to send an email on my tablet. Hold on, I'm having an old old man mode, old man moment. Um, who do I want to send this to? I want to send this to Michael. Yeah, I think the I think the one I'm pulling up now is a uh, reissue because it looks it looks kind of chunky. It looks kind of modern. It's uh, is it the one with the orange and black sort of patterns on the on the bezel and stuff? Yeah, the thing is they model it to look similar to the old one. Um, okay. Control. Send this to you. I hope this works. Yes, I know the message has no subject. I don't give a fuck. Uh, okay, so well, the Raketa Amphibian has a really weird history. Um, all that stuff I told you about how much design technology went into the Bostock Amphibia and how it, it uses, like, you know, uh, it uses the, the pressure of the ocean to make it more sealed and all that stuff. We don't know anything. Uh, or at least I haven't found any information about the engineering behind the Raketa Amphibia. I think they just tried to make a dive watch. This thing you know is I mean? cool. Yeah, okay, good. You got the link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is It is extremely, extremely interesting. So compared to the Vosak Amphibia, it is chunkier. It is a bit beefier. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is, it's quite bold. It has really, really bold uh, 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 numbers on it. Let me pull up my browser here. Almost, almost like you would see on some of the Vostoks. Like very similar font, even as far as the numbers go. Or am I going some of crazy? Some of them. Some no, 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 no. You're not. Some of them, yeah. But there are some pretty distinct differences in that it's sort of similar to. Uh, let me pull this up here. 
It's sort of similar that 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 chunky, thick Arabic numeral style is something you see on like very specific Vostoks. Like you could almost draw a line between that and my Raketa Big Zero. You know what I mean? Okay. But there are definitely some uh, similar nuances. The hands are a little bit different. Um, also, this is actually a good point. Mark has here uh, a one euro coin as a size reference. <laughs> Is in his picture. The thing is, there's not really a lot of documentation behind this watch because I really don't believe the same amount of engineering went into this timepiece as did the Raketa Amphibia. And so the way it worked is with the Vostok Amphibias and when the Raketa Amphibias were first made, Vostok was Vostok first made the Amphibia in 1967, and then Raketa first made their Amphibia in 1968, and both had done so at request of the military. What happened after that is they only made more at the time and issued them at the military's request. Well, the military requested the Vostok Amphibia more. They did not request the Vosta, or the Raketa Amphibia, which basically means hmm. they didn't make a lot of them, which is why you never see them. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've also never seen that, that Raketa logo before. Is that, is that common? The cursive style? Yeah. You see it sometimes? You know what I mean? You'll see it on like some like of uh, the dressier watches. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, but uh, it's not common. It's not uncommon. But you know, you you're gonna see the 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 paqueta or the raqueta with an R more. Uh -huh. You know, dude. This but, this um, seconds hand almost looks like as chunky as a GMT hand. Yeah, I know. It it has a for people. I mean, if you can't see it, it's just a straight line and a big arrow. That's yeah. the second hand, and <laughs> yeah. it looks like it's a GMT hand almost. Yeah. But um, so some really really uh uh overt differences. The crown on the Raketa Amphibia is not designed as a two piece kind of release crown, similar to the um Vostok. It is uh, it's a spring loaded crown so it's basically your traditional screw down crown system the other really really i think first noticeable difference is the bezel the bezel on this is not sunken into the case in addition to that the original vostok bezels were metal these ones were plastic you know what i'm saying it looks plastic so, and it, lo it looks like the teeth kind of extend beyond the case to make it easier to grab yeah i'm sure it has really good tactile feel you know what i mean um, the reality is it just seems like the Vostok Amphibia performed better and they only produced these as the military had requested them. So since the military never requested too many of the Raketa Amphibias, they just never made uh, a lot of them. Um, so Michael, you'll see here on the movement shot. So Mark thought, uh, that this watch had the original movement. It, this is the Raketa 2614 movement. Okay. So the Raketa 2614 movements, um, this watch is supposed to have and does have a Raketa 2609, which is the, I'm going to say it every episode, the most ubiquitous goddamn Raketa movement on the planet. You know what I'm saying? It's in so many fucking watches, so many Raketa watches, it's not even funny. But um, the Raketa 2614, which someone has put in here by accident, or they at the very least replaced the... Uh, bridge plate with a 2614 movement. This is basically mm. the same movement as the 2609, except the 2614 has a date wheel. The thing is, if you look at the front of this watch, there's no, no date, date window. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's a little, so when you get into Soviet watches, it's little things like that you have to kind of look out for because if you just looked at this watch and you saw that telltale uh, bridge plate that's on the 2609, you're like, like, you're like, yup, Kaz said that bridge plate's 2609, that's 2609. Like, dude, no, for Christ's sakes, like, you have to look at the number. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, to look at the number, man. And uh, from there, you can kind of extrapolate what's going on. Actually, you know what's funny? In this shot, you could even... Mm, not never mind. I was going to say you might be able to see the spring in the crown. And so if you actually go to the second page of this thread, Michael, someone has a really good picture or a series of really good pictures of theirs. Way cleaner. Oh, actually, wow. That, it, almost, it almost looks like a reissue. Let me think. Uh, it, well, actually, let me. I might be an idiot. It might be the newer one. Let me, let me look at it. Because that, that looks really clean. That looks... Super clean. Hold on, let me see what he says here. Uh, it looks like some parts of it, I think he says, have been refurbed, but as far... Yeah, no, this is the this, this is an original one. You can look at the movement. The movement shot, if you scroll in, the newer amphibias are automatic. So yeah, the new two, movement... 2609, that, I see it there. 2609. Two, yeah. <laughs> it's just some of, sons of bitches, man. Um, it's a really cool watch because it's not that it's hard to authenticate or that it's expensive. It's just, you just don't see them. You can, I mean, uh, the ones that I have seen, I've seen for like around a hundred bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've never I, seen I, these I, before. And you're, we're probably not going to, I mean, not, I mean, if we ever do, we'll be super lucky. Like they, when they do show up, they tend to go pretty fast. People who have them hang on to them cause they know what they are. You know what I mean? But this is a super, super cool watch, which I think everyone should be familiar with. Because if you ever see one, you know, uh, quickly authenticate it. Make sure it has the 2609. Make sure it has all the right markings. Make sure that it... Uh, what's actually really helpful also is that a lot of really hardcore collectors have found and digitally scanned pictures of the catalogs that these watches originally appeared in in the 70s and 60s right so uh what i can do is i can try and dig this up and put those in the show notes you can use those as a reference for if a hand has been replaced or what this is supposed to look like or whether this is supposed to be red or orange or whatever or anything like that you know what i mean um it's a super cool watch it's it's i mean that's basically it it's nothing else really looks like this I think it's an interesting watch uh, to bring up because, like I said, Raketa's trying to go through, like, this sort of revival period. They're trying to enter the luxury watch market from the standpoint of we're all in-house. And as far as I know, everything is in-house, at least as far as the movement goes. They're very vocal about everything and the movement being in-house. Um, well, I, I see one on eBay right now. And one I'll of the newer it. ones? No, this looks like an older one. Oh, cool. It's 255, two watchers, and I'm looking at the movement shot, and the plate does does say 2609. It's 255 bucks. Um, but there are some markings. There, there's yeah, 255. There are some markings missing that I saw in the other photo. You want to email that link to me? Like a gander at it? Yeah, I'll I'll email it to you. Um. Otherwise, it looks pretty cool. The loom is totally dead, <laughs> uh, which which we should probably also tell people that's that's pretty expected for for all of the all of the watches that we're talking about. Um, yeah, I, I the loom is going to be dead. It's going to like look kind of like dull, or it's going to be all chipped and gross. For me, that's a good thing because if someone's selling a watch and they didn't attempt to reloom it, then I'm like, okay, that means that hopefully. They didn't go and screw anything else up in the watch by trying to make it look pretty. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's specifically with Russian watches, that's what happens. A lot of these guys, they don't understand the collectability that people like people love the patina. People don't want you to repaint this dial. Like mm -hmm. there's a specific cheap, super cheap watch I'm looking for. It's the Kurovsky marked crab case and it has like almost like these teeth looking uh, uh, kind of metal things going across the tops of the dials and it's like turquoise and it's not a particularly remarkable watch but every fucking one I see is painted. They repaint them white. That's, that's I remember you showing me those. You yeah, know, just, and it's so annoying. <laughs> I just replied to that email just so you could see that link. But this one, yeah, there's something about that black and orange on the plastic bezel. Um, it's really cool. On, on, on second look, the bezel on this one looks kind of big compared to, to what I saw in the, uh, in the watch you seek thread. We're going to have to put that up in the show notes. Yeah, I'll put the watch you seek thread up. Um, it's got really good photos uh, from Mark's watch. Um, we'll put I'll, I'll put up some of the uh, original catalogs the watch had appeared in. You know what I mean? Here, let me open up this link and take a look at it. It's super cool. I mean, and the great thing is if you see one, I mean, the chances of it being faked are pretty low, but it'll be pretty easy for you. Oh, I see what you're saying. This is weird. This is a weird one. The bezel looks a little off. Like Actually, you, you know what's you know what's funny? The bezel is just fine. If you look down at the lugs, the lugs are blending in with the white of the background. Oh, okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at the bottom lugs. It looks it looks like it's all bezel, but the the those the the lugs are there. Yeah. Let me see. But Ooh, on the tablet. movement shot, where you see two six zero nine, there are markings mm -hmm. above two six zero nine that you see in the other watches. Um in that watch you seek threat. Now, I don't know how many variations there are, uh, like like you mentioned. You so know. what's possible here, what's entirely possible, is that he just put a different 2609 movement in here. Ah, uh, okay. Because like I said, the 2609, since it, since it's so, since it fits in so many watches, you can easily take a 2609 that's mad clean and put it in this watch. Uh, there are specific techniques you can use to make sure you have like the right one. Off the top of my head, I'll say right now, since it has the SU stamp on it, I could be wrong. Watch family, super correct me. 2609.ha with the SU stamp, I'm pretty sure is like a later 80s 2609. Hmm. You know what I mean? Which, I mean, to me is potentially past the date of the watch because I think it's a, is it Cursive Riketa? Yeah, yeah. it's Cursive Riketa. It's CCP. This is old. This is like 60s, 70s. You know what I mean? So it's entirely possible he put a new movement in there. It's one of those things I have to do a little more research on. Man, this thing is so fucking cool, though. God damn it! It's a it's a totally different ball game looking for these kind of watches. Um, yeah, man. You know whether so whether stressful. you're going whether you're going Russian or you're you're looking at old Bulovas or Aquastars. Um, you know, kind of take the time to to buy the seller, as they say. Yeah. And. Um, you know, before before pulling the trigger on anything, you know, just ask. Like like Kaz has mentioned before with these Russian watches, like movement shots are crucial. Like, oh yeah, for God's sake, you need you need to get one. Yeah, it's, it's super important. And um, yeah, this thing, this thing does look pretty old. But that's a that's a really cool choice. I think <laughs> it's I'm, cool. I'm, it's it's it, you don't see it very often, man. And, and it's it's just one of those things where it's always in the back of my mind. 
I mean, two hundred bucks is a lot. I feel like that's a lot. I mean, watch family. If you if that's normal now, I mean, I also haven't looked at it in a long time, price wise. Like for a while, a hundred bucks is where it was at because it's not like people don't really know about the watch, and it doesn't well, have the same type of history as the Amphibia, so there's never really like a demand for it. Well, would you pay that if it was from Mark Gordon's collection and it had his stamp of approval? See, that's the thing with these vintage watches. If you buy from someone reputable like Mark Gordon or like 1025, you're paying a premium, but you're paying a premium for assurance. You don't have to wonder. Yeah. Is this fake? Which personally I wouldn't mind. I know maybe some of the some of the sellers that we've mentioned on the, in, in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I hate it when people chime in and they're like, oh, I could buy that watch for four bucks. Like that's way too expensive. <laughs> well, yeah, that's great. But <laughs> I, you know, my mind is at ease, you know, with certain sellers and I'm, yeah. I, I'd gladly just pay a tiny bit more to not have to worry about authenticity or, yeah, you know, if any- I'm if I'm buying from Analog Shift or from 1025, uh, I know that these guys are putting their reputation on the line for this to be authentic. So if I pay a little bit extra for that, if you can justify that uh, value proposition in your mind, then dude, like do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I just want to say uh, I think that. So just going back to that listing you showed me, the eBay listing, I think that guy put a newer two six zero nine in there. Interesting. Because some of these older ones, if you look at this guy's reference picture on the second thread, it has the the word jewels in Russian on the bridge above 2609. So it'll say 18 Kamiya, K-A-M-H-E backwards N. That's the Cyrillic mm-hmm. for uh, jewels. And so I know they did that with older movements. They got a little more utilitarian with the decorations and the stamps as the Soviet Union started to progress into the 80s and then into the 90s. And then after the 90s, I, I don't know anything. Hmm. You know what I mean? So I think, and so it's stuff like that where you have to really pay attention. So like someone someone could see it says 2609. Uh, they could have heard us talk about the watch. And they say, yeah, 255 bucks, let's do it. And like, you could probably get the watch and be super, super happy with it. But something we were just talking about a second ago, half the appeal is knowing I got something authentic. I got something that's authentic and I didn't purchase it under false pretenses. You know what I mean? That's why it took me so long to find my Apollo 3133. I could have bought anyone not worrying about if it was authentic or not. You know what I mean? But I feel like that's something with those vintage watches that is very important. And so you either have to be super, super educated uh, or be willing to pay a little bit extra to buy it through a really reputable source. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 uh, 1025 uh, or watch Steez or um, what's the other one? Those watch guys. Those watch guys sell vintage watches, right? Yeah, they have a they have a Universal Geneva on there right now. That's pretty damn awesome. It's a lot yeah. of money there. It's almost almost three grand. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a little that's a little <laughs> out of my out of my Orient uh, Orient TriStar uh, 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 cost range right now. <laughs> There's a cool Zodiac on there though, six hundred forty-five bucks. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, I almost went with the Zodiac Sea Wolf for my pick, but uh, I thought I'm not gonna lie. I thought you were gonna pick. I thought one of them was gonna be a Zodiac. You know what I mean? But um, know, but yeah. Oops. I'm trying to see. look right now. 
Yeah, no, that's mine. You know, the first one was the Vostok Amphibia. Second one was the Raketa Amphibia. Um, just so the designation is clear at the time, Amphibia wasn't like a trademarked name. That was just sort of the word they had used for a dive watch. Eventually, as time went on and as the Vostok Amphibia became the dive watch of choice in Russia, at the time, no one really tried to make another type of dive watch. So it was just the Vostoks. And so Amphibia just sort of became a not officially trademark thing, but just if you tell someone, oh, I just purchased an Amphibia, they, they know you're talking about a Vostok. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, that's that's my pick, and I think we covered a, a pretty interesting range, you know what I mean? Uh, do you think it's time to start winding down? Let me check Let me check the clock, let me see where we're at, because we talked about it, we want to try and keep these around an hour now, is that like, is that the rule, an hour? We, we can see what happens, we can see what the watch fam likes. See what the watch fam likes, yeah, yeah, because I, uh, so, okay, the, interesting, we... We talked to a lot of people and they've been saying like, oh yeah, I love your show, you know, I'll be listening to it at, you know, 1.5 speed in my car. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what? Well, that's, that's pretty common. That's pretty common with a lot of podcasts. I, I think, is, I think when somebody sees, I think when somebody sees a podcast that's maybe, I don't know, let's say maybe past like the half hour mark, they're like, okay, um, I know that I don't have to take up that much time of my day to consume what's what the podcast has in store so i'll just listen to it at one and a half speed and right i mean i i did that with um you know with serial back when i was those podcasts are pretty long so man i i think i don't listen to podcasts so i didn't like so the first time some, someone uh uh, uh ps stamps actually ps stamps uh cool instagram user uh he sent us a video of him listening at 1.5 speed and i'm like dude how the fuck do you process that if i drink too much coffee in the morning i can't think so like he's listening to me talk like a like a fucking chipmunk on crack and i'm like dude <laughs> like that i don't i like do you guess do you guess what we're talking about because i just so you know after talking about that michael and i were like oh maybe we should try and keep the show shorter so watch family if you want us to like maybe keep it around an hour let us know or if what we do because the thing is we don't really plan or go on a timer we kind of just have an organic conversation and it just naturally unfolds the the way it does um yeah. and so we don't really kind of keep an eye on the time because i feel like that's an, an impediment to a natural conversation happening but if the length of the shows have been too long because a lot of them are averaging around a, an hour and 20 hour and 25 minutes you know um just let us know and we'll try and keep it around an hour you know yeah we'll see we'll see what happens but uh, mm-hmm. these, uh, you know, kind of just like the uh, watches under 65, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the uh, the choices that we came up with. Uh, I think we got for... some cool ones. I'm super happy you brought up one of those 6 to 6 divers. Uh, I did not see the Aquastar coming because I've like, never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of old, just, there are a lot of old brands that have died off completely. There are also... There are even brands that specialized in like scuba equipment that just happened mm-hmm. to make watches and you can still find them. Like they weren't watch companies, but they were like, you know, they made like, I don't know, like valves and right. whatever. Were they, whatever. So were they like private labeling other dive watches that people were making or were they like contracting someone to specifically make them a dive watch? 
I I really have no clue. It could it could be um, that they were contracted, but um, those when you find those, a lot of times you'll see them on eBay, and it'll be like eighty bucks, and it'll be this super <laughs> rare piece of like scuba history. And That's uh, so cool. Yeah, divers. You know, when you're going into when you're going into vintage, it's one of those it's one of those areas that can be really intimidating with all the noise um, you get with vintage collecting today, and like you know mill subs into like the 200 grand range and like i kind of feel like you can get something like an old aquastar or or one of these uh raketa military divers and, and kind of stand your own as a as a watch collector and yeah, hell yeah and get and still still play the same game it's the exact same game it's it's the hunt it's the research it's the um it's the education. It's the connection you make with with other collectors when you're yeah. trying to figure stuff out. When somebody connects with you, asking about uh, you know, little details on on a Russian watch. That's it's all part the thing of the is, fun. It's, it's all part of the fun. It's all part of the hunt. But the big thing is when you're purchasing a vintage watch, it's not how much you spent. No one gives a fuck how much money you spent on the vintage watch. They're mainly curious about what makes it vintage. Like I wore my Paul Jot thirty one thirty three into the office. I think ooh, yesterday or the other day, and like someone finally asked me about it. I was so happy. You yeah, know, like yeah, I, was, yeah. I was, I was. I'm like, yeah. Someone asked me about my watch. I was so goddamn excited because they're like, oh, it looks like a, like a really interesting watch. Like it has some history behind it. Is that like an older watch? And I'm like, I'm like, you just made my fucking day. I'm about to ruin yours right now by telling you every fucking thing I know about this watch. And you have to sit here and listen to it because we're at lunch. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, like, that's the thing I feel like which really ignites the passion for watch collecting in people. It's the story behind the watch. And a watch you pay $200,000 for or $80 for, they could each have equally interesting history behind it. So yeah. it's just one of those things where we always urge you to be an educated consumer, to really understand what you're putting your money towards. Are you collecting watches because you want to walk into a room and have everyone gasp when they realize how much you spent on your watch? Like, oh, that's amazing. He he must be a really, really, like, dedicated collector to have spent $40,000. Like, like, if that's what you want to do, then just, just, just buy a solid gold suit because it's the same thing. You're not a watch collector. <laughs> you, just, you just want people's approval. You want to purchase people's approval. You know what I mean? Um, if you are actually a watch collector, collect pieces that actually speak to you. If you find, if you just go on eBay and you type in antique or vintage dive watches, and there are some watch brands you've never heard of that are associated with some of these like snorkel valve uh, manufacturers that Michael's talking about, and you've never heard of them before, but if you do a little bit of research and you kind of find out what the watch is, and it only costs 60 bucks, that is a piece of dive watch history. You know yeah. what I mean? That's incredible. That's more that's 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 more valuable uh, uh, than arguably something you would pay a hundred times for, a hundred yeah. times of value for. So that's my closing opinion. <laughs> I'm yeah, trying to keep I'm trying to keep the episode short. It's cool. I think it's a it's a good place to to wrap it up. Shall we? Uh, you want to start the uh, sign off? Yeah, I'll I will I will jump into the sign off. All right, watch family. This is Kaz. This is Mike. We're two rogue watch snobs. See ya. Take care.